Hello, everyone. This is Victor Jackson. Welcome to the Bible Centered Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Bible Centered with Victor Jackson. Uh, God has been doing great things. Uh, we're excited to get an early start today. Um, I do have uh, a flight to get to, but you know, my priority is uh, prayer and podcasts. And so I'm excited to have the opportunity to speak with you. Um, really going to be somewhat reviewing uh, the last uh, 15 chapters because chapter 16 is a, a large transition point towards the cross, towards the imminent death of Jesus Christ. So thank you for the feedback. Thank you for those that have been praying for me uh, since I've been uh, under the weather this week. Um, and I appreciate your prayers so much. Uh, I'm so thankful for what God has been doing. Um, we had tremendous services this past Sunday, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, Bible Center of Orlando, 6955 Hanging Moss Road, and um, Spanish service, 1.30 p.m. Um, wow, God has been doing some amazing things in our church, and the best is yet to come. Let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Uh, this is a transition point. I'm going to only be reading four, four scriptures today. The Pharisees also, with the Sadducees, came and tempting him, desired that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah, and he left them and departed. I want to speak to you on the subject, Breaking the Limitations. What Matthew is highlighting is the endless struggle and the endless fight that the Pharisees and the Sadducees are in against Jesus Christ. They keep trying to disprove him. They keep trying to discredit him. And the more they try to disapprove and discredit him, uh, the greater his impact. Uh, it's what one writer came up with the philosophy of anti-fragile or anti-fragility. He's saying that there is a step beyond being resilient or, uh, or bold or resistant. He said there are things that can withstand pressure. He said a rock can withstand pressure. He said, but there are things that thrive in chaos. 
things that the more you come against it, the better it becomes. And it's the concept of anti-fragility. I'm thankful that our God is anti-fragile, that the more chaos, the more pain, the more suffering, the more the enemy is trying to destroy, the greater his effectiveness and the greater his impact. And I'm thankful that his children have that same ability, that it is the heritage of the saints of the Lord, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, that there is this endless uh, struggle, this endless fight against God's people. Uh, but whenever we hold to his hand, no matter what we're going through, we're going to be more than a conqueror. We're going to win because of who God is, not because of our performance, but because of who we're connected to. And Jesus is displaying uh, to the Pharisees a, a frustrating prosperity. Uh, a frustrating elevation, a frustrating mm, ascension, because no matter what they throw at him, he keeps producing. Uh, they're, they're mad, he does healing. He, they're mad, he does this. And he's love, but he's firm. What I love about Jesus is that he never allows bitterness to get into his heart while he's dealing with the Pharisees because he understands that he's going to die for them as well. But he's firm. You see, he, he cleanses the temple, but remember, Jesus is love made flesh. God is love. Jesus is the reflection and the action of love. And so while he's in the synagogues and while he is cleaning temples, he never ceases to be love. He's still love while he's bringing the cord out. He's still love while he is, is saying, you hypocrites. He never ceases to be love, but love is firm and love is powerful. And, and, and through love, there has to come judgment. It's like if, if my child is... Uh, going to touch the stove. I love my child. So that that's not an excuse. I don't sit back and let him touch the stove because I love him. I don't keep my mouth shut because I love him. No, if he touches this hot stove, I say, son, you're not supposed to do that. Out of love comes judgment. I have to judge him to protect them. Are you getting what I'm saying here? And so God would rather bring judgment in time so you don't have to deal with everlasting judgment in eternity. Any judgment in time is a sign of love because he doesn't want you to go to hell. He doesn't want you to spend an eternity without him. So God will bring judgments in time to save you for eternity. And it's out of his love. It's out of his love. But there is an endless struggle because now, no matter how many miracles he does, their heart is being revealed because of their consistent resistance against him. And we're seeing that the problem is, is that he is who he says he is. And that's the problem. Because in a few chapters ago, he just cast out the devils and they saw healing. And they said, sir, we would see a sign from you. They just saw signs. 
And he said, okay, I'm just going to give you the prophet Jonah, and I'm going to tell you about uh, a greater than Jonah is here and a greater than Solomon is here. And now in chapter 16, verse 1, they said, we want you to show us not just a sign, watch this, but a sign from heaven. Look at this. It doesn't stop. They are incessant in their resistance to God's will. They cannot comprehend that this man is has come from heaven. He cannot comprehend that Jesus is who he says he is. And they said, we don't just want to see a sign now. Look at their, how the resistance increased. They said, we want to see a sign from heaven. And Jesus goes on to say, listen, you look at the sky and you know how it's going to be in the evening and the morning, but you can discern the face of the sky, but you can't discern the signs of the times. He's saying, listen, you are ignoring what is right in front of you. You have preached about this. You have prophesied about the Messiah. You said what the Messiah would do, but you cannot recognize that I'm here because you don't like its package. You thought, it, you thought the Messiah would come out of the Pharisees. You thought the Messiah would come out of the Sadducees. You thought the Messiah would come out of the, the scribes. You didn't see the Messiah coming out of a carpenter. You didn't see the Messiah coming out of Nazareth. You didn't see the Messiah not being in cliques, but, but just walking in obedience even unto the death. And he reiterates again, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. There shall be no sign given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. Now, this is important because you see the tension building. And the tension is building because what they're trying to get Jesus to do is to deny his identity and deny his mission. And this is the problem that they had with Jesus is that he would not deny himself. No matter how um, much they opposed him to deny who he was or deny who, where he came from. He refused to deny himself. And on his cross, whenever they finally did crucify him, it literally said, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. It says, and there lay his accusation. This is Jesus, king of the Jews. What do you do when it's a crime to be you? This is Jesus, king of the Jews. What's his accusation? What did he do? Oh, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. What do you do when it's a crime to be you? That the only way to survive and not go on the cross is to deny your identity. You have to say that you're not who you are, and you have to say that, you, that you're not a king. And, and, and before this, they asked, they asked him, he said, are you the Christ? And he said, thou sayest, and the priest rent his garment and said, this is blasphemy. What do you do when it's blasphemous to be you? That you, you cannot confess who you are or confess your greatness lest you get killed, killed of jealousy, killed of envy, killed with words, killed with 
<clears throat> accusation killed with false motives. What do you do when it's blasphemous to be you? Even on the cross, they said, they said, if you be the son of God, come off of the cross. They said, the only way we will believe you is if you abort your God-given mission. The only way we'll believe you is if you abort your God-given assignment. If you be the son of God, we'll come off of the cross. We'll believe you if you get out of alignment. And the issue with this is, is that it was a crime to be him. Finally, he didn't, he, he, he stayed silent. He stayed obedient. And the Bible says that whenever he died, that whenever the centurion saw his sacrifice, he said, truly, this was the son of God. The world won't believe who we are until they see blood. The world won't believe who we are until they see an incredible sacrifice. And the sacrifice finally persuaded that centurion. And so anytime there's greatness, there's going to be resistance. No one talks about, uh, you know, there's football teams, there's baseball teams, there's basketball teams, and there are famous players on those teams. You never talk about the players that are on the bench. You never criticize the players that are on the bench. You're, you're not the paparazzi isn't following those that aren't doing anything special. But those that are great, they are heavily criticized. They say you only have one championship. You only had two championships. You only have five championships. You only, and it's a, it's, it's nonstop pressure. And, and that's, this is what they say. You have earned criticism. Criticism is earned. Criticism isn't given, it's earned. Greatness earns criticism. The reward for greatness is criticism. If you're going to be good at anything, one of the rewards is criticism. And so some people want to ignore or, or avoid criticism so they don't want to do anything great. But you have to break the limitations off of your life. Whatever ceilings that have been placed upon your life, we have to break these limitations. Whatever limitations people are trying to put on you, you have to break the limitations. You have to be who God has called you to be, no matter who likes it and no matter who hates it, no matter who loves you, no matter who hates you, you have to have a singular focus, a singular obedience, a singular vision that for God I live, for God I die, no matter what comes against me, I am going all the way. He is the author and he is the finisher. He that has begun a good work in you shall perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He is the author and he is the finisher. There shall be a performance of those things which were spoken over you. And Jesus, as we're leading to his imminent death, as we're leading to the prophecy of the cross, which the disciples can't comprehend or understand, 
all of the 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 greatness and the fame of Jesus is now uh, almost being uh, washed away with the amount of persecution and resistance. But the cross has the final say, and his identity has the final say. And one thing he would not do is deny his identity. He would not belittle himself. He just be, remained consistently great. And no matter how much the odds were stacked against him, he used the odds to provoke him into anti-fragility, things that get better with resistance. That the more you resist, the more you multiply. That's what happened in Exodus. The more they, they persecuted them, the greater the burdens were on them, the more they multiplied. In Acts Whenever they persecuted the church, the word of God multiplied. And so the church just gets better with resistance. If you're called by God, if you have a destiny from God, you get better with resistance. And so I want to give that synopsis of Matthew 1 through 15, the fame, the popularity, and the persecution, and how it is leading those Pharisees, they don't want to accept who he is, so they keep asking for signs. We want a sign. Okay, now we want a sign from heaven. And it's just never going to stop. You have to, if you're great, you have to get used to the struggle. Don't complain. It's like I said, if 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 you complain about being hurt all the time, God will comfort you, but he will not promote you. Because elevation comes with pain. And it's just a part of the process. It's just a part of it. Don't despise your anointing. Don't despise your calling. Don't despise who you are. Just lean into it. Because let me tell you, God's purpose in you is greater than the attacks on you. And so Matthew is getting you ready for the apex and, and the climax of his book, which is Matthew chapter 16, where he introduces his imminent death and the disciples' response to that death was just to deny self, take up your cross, and follow him. I'm excited about this. We're going to be going into this more. Hopefully, I feel a little better uh, next week. But it has been a, such a privilege and a joy uh, to get to share the word of God with you. Share this podcast. Uh, it's available everywhere. We love you. We honor you. We appreciate you. Thank you for letting me share the word of God with you. This is just the beginning. And next time we talk is going to be Matthew 16. God bless. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson, or you can come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.